he has ever been like school-aged. It's all college students and adults. But we had the annual Firehouse Spelling Bee. And well, for me, it was, it was somewhat of a, a humbling experience. I was, I, in the past, I had ran the Spelling Bee, so I'd never competed in it before. This is the first year I tried to actually be on the other end and spell words. And there was about 20 people in it, and I had the honor of being the first one out of the spelling bee. So I, uh, now the hard word, it was, it was like my second word in the whole thing. The really hard word I couldn't get was rhythm, which I didn't know how to spell. And so that, that was the one that, that did me in. And so I think that's why I'm not in the band or anything like that, but speaking because I don't have rhythm and I can't spell it anyway. So on the, on the winning side, we had a, we had a new winner of the spelling bee and I think we've captured this moment Christine Miller won the spelling bee and as you can see here there's a, there's a trophy shop in town that actually makes this bobblehead spelling bee trophy it's quite fabulous so if you're ever over at the Miller's house you should ask to, to take a look at that she, uh, what, what was the winning word Christine? subpoena alright I don't know how to spell that but Silent, silent B, huh? All right. So, well, that was that was fun. We uh, hit a new winner there. So that's somebody that can spell pretty well there. So, anyway, we will uh, be jumping in back to Acts. We uh, had been kind of trucking through Acts, and we've taken a break the last couple of weeks to get through Christmas and New Year. So we're gonna take a deep breath and start firing away back in the Book of Acts. But I will. I'll pray and then we'll jump into the book there. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we we come before you and God, we want to hear from you. God, we want we want your word to really change us. God, give us willing hearts to hear from you and to put it into practice. And God, a lot of Acts six talks about serving. I just pray you'd make us more willing servants. God, ready to be used in your kingdom, for your purposes. Just pray to speak to us from your word. Help us each apply it this morning. Amen. Alright. So hopefully we remember the book of Acts. I feel like it's a whole new series, even though we're continuing. It's been so long, but I think we'll start to remember as we jump in here. So why don't you open up your Bibles to page 1083. We're on Acts chapter 6 now. to get in here. Responsibility over to them, and will give our attention to prayer 
and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Permanus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They proceeded, I'm sorry, they produced false witnesses and testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs of Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. All right. So it's kind of a, I find it kind of an interesting chapter. To me, in some ways, it feels kind of like a break from the action. If we look back, because we're going through this chapter, and I'll talk about this again, but we've gone through Acts. Jesus appears to the believers and gives them this mission to go out and reach the world with the gospel and goes into heaven and then they get the Holy Spirit and people start getting saved and baptized and they're out preaching the gospel and it's changing the world. And we get to this chapter and the whole thing starts because one group of widows has a beef against another group of widows. And it kind of strikes me that we're, we're going through all this kind of action-packed stuff of the faith advancing and God's gospel advancing and we're stopping and taking a deep breath because we have a couple groups of widows that have a conflict. So the first thing, we're going to talk about the first five lessons we can learn from <laughs> Acts 6. And the first thing we can learn here is that God is concerned about the rights of the overlooked. I think if it wasn't in God's wisdom and it was in my wisdom and we were going along and God's, God's people were advancing the gospel and all this cool stuff was going on, I think these are the people that could be easily ignored. The widows that are left and need food and need help from the church. I don't know if I would have necessarily stopped everything. Halt. Let's talk about what we're doing with the widows. Let's talk about how we're distributing food. But God's concerned about the rights of everyone. I, I just find that to be interesting that God kind of stops the whole show because he's concerned about each believer. Um, the next point here is that the apostles considered service to be very important. I also... And as we look at this, it kind of goes along with it. 
But we're kind of we're stopping the whole show here, so we can talk about how we're serving food. I uh, I think we can learn a lot about God's heart here, and what the apostles considered important. They considered service to be important. And again, I I kind of laugh looking at this chapter that we're just stopping so we can talk about how to serve, who's going to serve, how are we going to resolve conflict. But God considered this to be very important. Kind of stopped the show to do this. And so, so what, as, as we looked here, God's saying that we're going to stop and look at the service. And um, verse 2 says, So that the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. What I catch from that is that their heart is that the first thing they want to do is we need to fix this. Maybe we can step in and wait on tables and get this thing fixed. I think that's the heart I catch is that they were so concerned about fixing this that they were willing to do it. And I think through prayer they realized this is very important, but it wouldn't be right for us to neglect what God's given us, our roles. And so they looked for a way to take care of this, to take care of the service, and to stay faithful to what they had to do. And so, again, if it was in my wisdom, I would have said we need to take care of this. Let's get someone to take care of that and kind of get it off our plates. But God thought it was very important how he dealt with this and who he had to deal with this. As we look, it says, verse 3, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them. So the apostles appoint people to take care of this. And they don't just appoint anyone. The next point here is that the apostles appointed their best men to serve. Which again kind of goes against my thinking. How I, you know, the human thinking on this one. I think if we were looking at this situation, we would have said, can we just get someone to quiet down this little fire so we can get back to preaching the gospel? What the apostles say here is, can we get our best men and put them on this to take care of this? Can we get those that are full of the Spirit and wisdom? And, and the next point here is that they chose men of character. They didn't just choose anyone. They chose the people they knew would deal faithfully with the situation. Men of character. It doesn't, it doesn't say the word deacon in this chapter anywhere. But I think this is kind of an outline of the first deacons that were ever appointed. And God chooses men that are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And first, you don't need to turn there or anything, but First Timothy 3, as we talk about men of character, talks about deacons a little. And it's definitely not someone that can just take over this so we can get it off our plates. But in 1 Timothy 3, it says to find men that are dignified, to find men that aren't double-tongued, that are faithful in their speech, they're not addicted to wine, they're not men fond of sordid gain or stealing money, because obviously someone in charge of this kind of thing would have access to money to distribute food or some of the property of the church, and people that were faithful with their marriage, men that were the husband of one wife. This is interesting because I really believe they picked their best men 
men of character to take care of something that, in our eyes, doesn't look very important. This looks like the emergency break on what God was doing to stop and talk about the widows. But they choose men of character. They choose their good, their best men to take care of this. As we look at the next point here, one of the reasons they did this, it says the apostles appointed help to be able to focus their serving primarily on ministering the word and on prayer. And, uh, do we have a verse up there? I can just read it. Uh, in, in verse 4, Oh, it says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And so what I catch from this is that the apostles aren't putting people on this because they don't want to work, because they don't want to do service. It's because God's giving them a specific task and way they need to serve the church. And they see that they need to focus a lot of their serving energy, their own service to the Lord, on faithfully ministering the Word, and I'm praying for the church, praying to God, praying for the church to advance. And I'll be honest, this is one of the things that I found hard to, to shift my thinking even as a pastor is to say, the way that I'm going to serve is going to change. Some of you know me, but I'm really the kind of guy that likes to, to get my hands dirty and to work. And I like wrapping sound cables and, and running sound and lifting things and carrying and in a lot of ways, I've had to change some of the ways that I serve the church and I serve the Lord in doing some of these things, spending more of my time on ministering the Word, um, speaking the Word to people, whether it's on a Sunday morning or speaking truth, and I'm praying for the church. And a lot of times when I come before the Lord and ask, how am I doing as a servant? I think the Lord is going to call us into account of these couple things. But I, what I find encouraging about this is that the apostles, they didn't have a heart saying, Everyone else should serve, and we're going to take it on the easy chair. It's just they had an idea that in some ways there's different ways we serve, but we're all serving the same God. We're all going to serve Him, and they just focus their serving in this area. And if we look at verse 7, it's kind of the result of setting these things up. It says, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So the, the last lesson from Acts 5 here is that God blessed and grew the church. He blessed and grew the church. And one of the reasons, I believe, is because, well, one, that the apostles were continued to be freed up to preaching the word, but also because... The church was resolving their conflicts and living in harmony. Now, if the church was continuing to be bickering and arguing, and they were arguing about who should get food and who should take care of it, and and this would have gone on for years, I don't know if God could have just added people and blessed and grown the church and had people getting saved and plugged in. There's a lot of ways that God practically took care of things so the church could grow. And I, uh, I look in our church, we have... We have a deacon. I call him, we, we joke and call him the deacon board. It's Greg Miller, and we've appointed one here, and he's served and, and blessed this church. 
In a lot of ways, we're continuing to pray, even as pastors, we're constantly praying that God would add more deacons, that Greg's doing an awesome job and faithfully serving. But we see that there's a way that when God adds faithful men that are serving, He can start to grow the church because there's, you know, in some ways, just men that are there to help facilitate, to help serve. And so that's something we're praying for is that there'd be more deacons in this church, that God would continue to grow there. And I didn't, I didn't write this in a sheet, but I'm not going to talk a ton about the second half. I talked about Stephen and some of the persecution he started to face. And chapter 7 really gets into kind of the meat of what happens when they grab Stephen and, and some of the trials he goes through. So Jeff will talk a lot about that next week. But what I find interesting is that we go through this section to talk about how we're putting our best men to serve so the apostles can really go and focus on ministering God's word and on praying and really continuing to advance the gospel. And the very next thing that happens is that the men they put in charge of serving the tables face opposition. Which again is kind of humorous to me. I would, I would think, okay, these guys are kind of out of the way and so the apostles go back out and they're preaching the word. If I would have guessed, I would have thought maybe one of the apostles would be facing a lot of opposition right after it. But God chooses to use Stephen in a powerful way right after this. And, and it shows me that God's willing to use people that will faithfully serve Him. And um, Stephen was one of the, the seven men that they picked. Uh, and it's pretty interesting that he's the one that faced persecution. And um, he, he gives an account and, and defends the faith in a powerful way we'll talk about next week. But So that's, that's a little snapshot of what God's doing here. And, I mean... If we went home now, I think we could say, oh, good. They put in place deacons. The church grew. Greg can serve us, and let's move on. But I think God wants us each to grow as being a servant, you know. Joking at his expense a little. But my point is that there's some, God does appoint men, and, and his best men, I think, to serve the church, and to serve the church in a recognized way as a deacon. But God wants us each to be faithful with serving him. And so I think there's something... God wants us each to take away this morning, so we'll talk a little more. Uh, if you turn your sheet over, the next thing we're going to talk about is four practical ways to grow as a servant. So whether, whether we are Greg and we're the appointed deacon in the church or anyone else, God calls us each to serve. God wants to use us each, but He needs our hearts to be like that of a servant. So the first thing here is that we need to understand how serving fits into God's plan. And I talk about this right after we went through Acts because it can seem like a small thing. How are our service, our service before the Lord? But what I catch from Acts 6 is that in God's kingdom, it's essential to His plan and His kingdom moving forward that each of us is committed to serving Him, have a heart to put what He wants to do first and serve Him. So when I think about God's plan, the first thing I think about is when we serve, when we do anything, who are we serving? Well, we're serving God and what we're doing. And it works into His plan because I think these, these men were put in charge of serving widows and handing out food. And I don't know, it might have looked, I'm guessing 
some of these widows were older and not able to remarry and so it might have looked something like what we have in a retirement home now and you know handing out food to people that couldn't take care of themselves and and in that it doesn't sound like something that would have a lot of reward but I think these men understood that they were serving God and then it fit into his plan and what he wanted to do in the church that they were faithfully serving and I think it fits into his plan because they also saw that it was part of what God was doing and for God to continue to advance the gospel and grow the church that they needed to be faithfully serving and it's the same with us for God to continue to move in advance we need to be willing to submit to God and to serve so the, the second point here you need to view yourself as a servant each of us needs to think I'm a servant I need to think that way we all need to think that way um, if you want to turn to, to Mark 10 I'm going to read a quick passage it's on page 1003 and we're going to start in verse 42. What they're talking about here is a couple of the disciples start arguing about who's the greatest servant, who's going to be honored the most in heaven. And Jesus responds to them. In verse 42, it says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I think, I think what he's getting at is that God wants to redefine what success is. He wants to redefine what greatness is. I think in our head, we can think greatness is how much money we can make, can we get in a position of power? Can we get a big house? That's what's going to make me great. Or even we can think in the kingdom. Can I make, can I make the most disciples? Can I be a flashy person that knows Bible inside and out? And some ways that makes us great. But what Jesus said is if you want to be great in my kingdom, be a servant. Put yourself last and everyone else first. And it even uses the word, I mean, servant can be the same word, a slave. In verse 44 it says, you must be the slave of all. That's, that's a tough calling. I think of a servant, I, sometimes I can think, well, I can sometimes serve on my terms. I can serve when I want to. I can serve when it's convenient. But God says, if you want to be great, make yourself a slave of everyone. And when I think of a slave, they don't really get to choose what time they want to serve. They don't really get to claim a lot of rights. They don't, you know, if I, I think of slavery times, they don't really get to choose where they sleep or who owns them or where they're working or how much they're working. They're just called to be faithful and to serve and to obey their master. I think that's what God's calling us to. In a lot of ways, we don't get to choose exactly how we serve the Lord. I think. He talked to many of us. He's taken us a lot of places we didn't expect. 
asked us to do a lot of things we didn't expect. I think when we signed up and we accepted Christ and got baptized, I think we had a picture of what it looked like to serve God. And I think you raise your hand. Did anyone see it looking like exactly like it did? No? Okay. <laughs> and I think God plans it that way. He says, I want you to be really first His slave and then make yourself a slave to other people. Not thinking of our own rights, not wanting to be praised, but viewing ourselves as a servant. Like that says, we need to think, walk into, walk into church, whether we're walking into someone else's home and think, I'm God's servant. I don't want to be someone that's looking to be served. It says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Even the greatest one that ever walked the earth didn't come to have people line up and serve him, but he served people. He washed people's feet. He practically went out and served them. And God wants that same thing from us, that we're not expecting to, to walk into a meeting. We're not expecting to walk into someone else's home and to be waited upon. But He wants us to jump in and to serve. The next point here, is a more practical thing we can do, is to serve like a servant. It's kind of a maybe rhetorical word, but 2 Corinthians 12.15, this is Paul talking. And he was talking to believers and he said, I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. And I like his heart. It's, it's a tough one to follow. I think the first part, I will most gladly spend myself. Again, I kind of reiterate this, but when I'm thinking of spending myself, I kind of get to choose when it's convenient, how I want it to look. But if I'm expended, that's when you get to choose. <laughs> that's when God gets to choose how I serve. And that's, that's a challenging heart to follow, that God wants us to be ready to serve and whoever is asked of us to be expended. And I think God's going to want us each to practically grow in our service and serving more and practically doing things that obey Him and bless other believers and bless non-believers. When I think about serving, I, I think we could each grow in having a, a mindset and a heart of showing up and rolling up our sleeves and, and getting to work. I think God didn't intend the church to be somewhere where we, we may, I have a high value of the Word. We're supposed to, to study it and be in the Word. But He wants us to be doers. He wants us to go out and practically serve. And so I, I think God might ask you, I know God asks me a lot and says, are you willing to just roll up your sleeves, Brad, and get to work? Are you willing to do what I want you to? And there's a lot of ways that He might ask us going forward, will you just get to work for me and what I want to do? And one opportunity coming up, we talked about a little bit in our house churches this week, is that something we can practically do as the firehouse is that we're going to kind of up some of the organization and how we're serving on a Sunday morning kind of facilitating that through our house churches. So look for announcements maybe in two weeks when we do our next house church. But some practical ways that we can set up on a Sunday morning and help clean up and bless the owner here. There's a lot of practical ways we can serve. So you might keep keep your ears open and have a willing heart. You might be asked to, to step up in some new ways and, and help out and be faithful with some things. And... But the thing about it, I, I know a lot of what we're going to ask to do. It's not going to be that exciting. 
in one sense, but God's going to call us to be faithful. And a lot of what God's asked me to do over the years isn't to come up and speak. It's, will you stay an hour after and mop the floor or come three hours early and set up chairs or that kind of stuff. I think our heart's going to be tested. God's going to ask, will you be obedient to me and to serve when it's something that doesn't excite you, when it's something that doesn't get praised much? And another thing I think about as a servant is pretty often they don't even get thanked. If you think of like a slave, God wants us to be serving Him, not for what other people think. I think sometimes it's easy to look at people that serve in a public way and think maybe they're the greatest. Maybe the guy giving the message on Sunday or the band that was up here before me, ooh, they're the greatest servants. They're up in front of everyone. I think, ooh, for us, for the band, I think our heart will be tested. Do we have a heart to serve the Lord? Were we wanting to serve Him, carry out His will, or were we in it for ourselves to look good? I think of, I came here this morning at, at 7.30 to unlock the door. I think there's some people that were here at 7.30 in the morning that were serving like a servant. I showed up at 7.30 and I think there was three people waiting outside in their cars to jump in here and get to work. I opened up the doors and one person running to make us coffee in the morning. There was another person setting up chairs and getting out Bibles for the prayer meeting. There was another person setting up all the sound equipment at 7.30 in the morning. And I don't know if one person probably even thanked them this morning, but I think those people were serving like a servant this morning. I don't think there's a lot of testing of their heart that has to do when you show up three hours early to do something like set up chairs. And I'm not going to embarrass them. I kind of know who they are. But there's a lot of good men and women in this room that do like to roll up their sleeves and get to work. And it's an honor to just serve with you guys and see some of the hearts in this room. I, uh, like I said, I kind of get here early in the morning and I get to see a lot of the people that serve and, and do a little extra work. And we're really blessed. And this church runs by a lot of this room, just giving volunteer time and their service first to God and then practically blessing the church with their service. And, and even though they're not especially praised in a public way, I think the last point here on ways we can grow as a servant, oh, that's fine, is that we can know that God rewards servants. This is the last blank, rewards. And in 1 Corinthians 15:58, I think it might be in a sheet there, but it says, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. As a God calls us to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because we know that our labor is not in vain. And what he's getting at, I think that he has to say your labor is not in vain, is that the people weren't getting thanked maybe very often. In one place, Jesus talks about how the Pharisees like to serve in a very public way that people saw so that they could be praised by men. But I think the servants that are going to be rewarded the most are the ones that serve in a way that only God sees. I think those people that were here at 7.30 in the morning, there's going to be some rewards in heaven for them. Um, when it says that your labor in the Lord is not in vain, I think everything we do for the Lord, small or big, even if other men don't see, God sees it. 
And he says, one day I'm going to reward all of that. And there's a way, it talks about, in some way in heaven there'll be some kind of rewards for what we do. And eventually we'll give it back all for God's glory. But I think there's a glory that God makes in each of us when we serve Him and put Him first. And our labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I think when we do our labor in secret, when we do it for the Lord, when we do it with the right heart, God one day is going to reward that. And I've looked at verses like this, this verse, um, there's a verse that talks about, um, Jesus talks about that one day you'll say to servants, you know, that are faithful with what he's giving them, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a parable where it says that. And I've taken that little phrase and said, rather than a lot of things, I'd rather hear that phrase when I end my life. Well done, good and faithful servant. God's going to call us each home to give us an account one day of how we lived our life. And rather than a lot of things I want to hear, rather than anything, tell me and you can tell me that I want to hear, I want to hear God say that one day. I want to know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain because God rewards it. And I think as we grow in a heart and we're viewing ourselves as servants, we're understanding that God's going to reward that one day. We can grow and just pouring ourselves out, having that heart like Paul to spend and to be expended for God's service because we know that He'll reward it, that one day it'll be over, we'll be sitting with Him, and then He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, if we do it with the right heart. And, uh, let's see. I, uh, this morning... All of you sang a song, and I think we're going to have the band come back up and do it in a minute, but it's called The Beautiful One, and I like that song. It talks a lot about God getting His glory and us just practically serving the Lord. And some of the lyrics from that song, it says, Take all behaviors that cause my brothers to notice me more. Make me your servant and make them aware. The heart is getting at is that God, take away everything in me that wants me to be noticed. I know it's in my heart. My flesh wants to be noticed. And make me your servant. And make other people aware that, that I'm your servant. I'm here to serve. I'm ready to work. And I want to catch that heart more and more. I think God wants us each in this church to catch that heart more and more to practically serve Him. And to put His work first and lay down our own lives for His service. So, I'll, I'll pray and then if the band wants to kind of come back up, maybe we could uh, do that song once more. So why don't you pray with me? God, we thank You for this morning. God, I just to look at Your Word here. I pray You would practically grow us in service. God, help us each give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, like it says in 1 Corinthians 15 there. God, we want to be your servant first. I pray you grow us in a heart of not wanting to promote our own glory, our own vision for our lives, but to serve you, to put your kingdom first. God, we want to put it on notice, even around this room, God, that we're servants. God, and really before you, I just pray you grow us in that. And we do thank you for this morning. Help us just apply it and have practical ways to serve this week.
Amen. All right. Well, uh, again, before I get off, we do have small groups this week, so check the table in the back for some flyers on that. And uh, Jeff will be getting to Acts 7 next week, and I will get out of the way to uh, sing here. Thank you.